stoppies. <laughs> oh, stoppies. That's we're, what I wanted to do. <laughs> we're old, we're dumb, and we're covered in cum. <laughs> Hot white cum. Uh, white cum. White cum. Maybe uh, I'm not doing sex right. I don't know if it's like hot. Lukewarm. I never thought to think of the temperature, quite honestly. Liz has really opened up something for me to explore. Thank you. Oh, for sure. It's pretty hot. I think the I think that's something in um in like Dante's Inferno though is that the devil has ice cold cum. He's like the spearmint of dicks. Yeah. So your humanity is like, you know, proportionally tied to the heat of your cum. Mm, that's good got to it know. got it got it well we're less than a minute in folks and we're already on come talk and I, mean, <laughs> I started it so i have no one to blame but myself uh welcome to another episode of uh make it come i mean uh make it stop <laughs> bad music <laughs> good times uh i'm heather rack i'm mike dunn um so as uh you might have guessed we are here with a, a wonderful guest our dear dear friend friend of the pod friend of me um professional badass, professional wrestler, semi-professional wizard, and president of the board of Girls Rock Camp Boston. This is true. And also generally very cool in many other regards, but I don't want to shout out all your other roles because they probably wouldn't appreciate this podcast. So yes, we have VQ, our dear friend, uh, fellow Blow Boston League of Wicked Wrestlers member. Um, and you should re- remember her from a absolutely legendary episode of the podcast, very early first season, uh, which was the White Rapper Roundup where we decided to give Kevin Federline a pass so that we could go fucking ham on Northern State, uh, the most fucking insipid, self-indulgent fucking... Neolib. Neolib, anti-woke, sleep rap music from privileged white girls from Oberlin. Um, But Heather, it was a different time. You have to understand. Oh shit, they went to Oberlin too. Yeah. Wait, Liz Fair went to Oberlin? Yes. They Wow, the connection. Listen, I don't want Oberlin to come after me. Let's relax. <laughs> let's let's relax. Circle. <laughs> <laughs> UMass Amherst at war with Oh yeah, because VQ also went to UMass with us or like semi overlapping with us. Yeah, state school kids going after. Yeah. This is now a, an Oberlin beef podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're just here to fuck on Oberlin. Um yeah, so we talked about Northern State. Actually, I believe that um, Hesta Prynne blocked you. Oh, no, it was Brandy Blaze. She got in a fucking war with Brandy Blaze specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you made the wise decision to not engage on that thread. I tried to. You know. I, I wanted to, but I also felt, like, really overwhelmed. Um, you know, white anger. Over, overwhelmed. <laughs> yes, over. I was overwhelmed. There was a lot of, like, white feminist anger and tension, which generally makes me uncomfortable. It's part of why as much as I love Northampton, it was hard to be there. Um, so yeah, I was yep. like, I'm just going to chills it. Cause also one of the members of the band, oh, I have an indirect link to them in terms of where my friend works. And I didn't want them to like fully discover that link. So I was like, I'm just going to lay low because she might look at my picture and be like, wait, I remember you. You're that person's friend. Because <laughs> there's not a lot of brown people like in that circle. So like I would be somewhat easily identified yeah 
Right. There's so few brown people that not a single one of them took fucking Hesta Prynne aside <laughs> and no, said, that's true. <laughs> said, hey, girl. <laughs> Listen, quest love. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Don't wow. even get me started. Poor <laughs> quest love. Quest love is that guy that like white musicians can bring up as like, you can't criticize me because quest love. He's every <laughs> white guy's imaginary best black friend. Him and fucking Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a space that he occupies. <laughs> okay so anyway um the whole thing with this album is liz fair kind of trying to reintroduce herself to you know the to the mainstream i guess because she was an indie darling she started out in you know the early 90s in san francisco making music um with you know in in her bedroom kind of playing guitar uh pretty much self-taught so that was do you guys remember what the name of that her band was oh girly sound girly sound was the name of her band for or like her self-made recordings so she was hmm. recording on a four track tape tape recorder but so she so she became like famous in the underground and and critically acclaimed with exile and guyville which was released in 1993 and really the big thing that people always praise liz fair for was you know, her rawness and honesty and vulnerability in her lyrics and especially, you know, Exile and Guyville, which I actually re-listened to, to like get like a full sense of Liz Fair's musical capacity and like musical, um, like trademark, uh, to, to before listening to this album, because I wanted to like get in touch with that album and remember why it's so good. Have you guys listened to Exile and Guyville? What are y'all's takes on that album? It's funny because I re-listened to it too. You know, obviously like when Liz Fair first came out, I was like four years old. So like the album when I was introduced to it was when I started listening to more like indie rock as it was classified, particularly like in high school and college and exploring the nineties and what indie music was at that time. And things have changed a lot around indie music. In the early 90s, you know, indie music was starting to catch into the mainstream or considered the mainstream. Nirvana made it big. And so there was this sense of, we're gonna mine the indie music scene for the next popular artist. And so in listening to all those sorts of bands, and you know, I remember when I first heard the album and I first heard Liz Fair, I was like, okay, cool, great. But in re-listening to the record, I like it, but I can't say I'm like a huge, huge fan. I think she's really talented overall from my own subjective standpoint. I don't know if she's, you know, the artist for me, but that's nothing against her or her music or that album. I just think as much as I, I admire a lot about it, I'm not like so in love with it. And mm -hmm. I think, again, just to like foreshadow people's negative response to the album, the Liz Fair self-titled album, I think it's because of that emotional connection and love of what that album represented right. at that time. And that explains like the extreme emotions mm -hmm. to it. And the protectiveness and the resentfulness yeah. that came out of Liz Fair, the self-titled album that we're reviewing today, because it was such a departure in so many ways, which we'll, we'll get into more, but I want to hear from Mike. What's your opinion on Exile and Guyville and Liz Fair in general? Yeah, this is my first time really diving into anything by Liz Fair, but I did listen to um, Exile and Guyville in addition to this self-titled album. 
Um, and I can see how it was very influential. You know, I, I can hear that sound in, in other bands like, you know, like Pale Hound or mm-hmm. uh, Hop Along. You know, it, it's definitely like a, uh, an influential album, an important album. Um, but I do find it a little long. Yes, um, it's very long. Isn't it like 18 tracks or something? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's too I many. a little long. Um, I think lyric, the lyrics are where it really shines. There's yes. a lot of, there's a lot of like clever and like, you know, sexually charged um, lyrics um, on that album. I think she tries to capture that on mm. the self-titled album, but it just comes off as like forcing it. Like, I feel like she, you know, like there's five, there's four songs in this album written by the Matrix songwriting team. Um, who did like Avril, Avril Lavigne's first album. They did a lot of other pop music. Britney Spears. Um, but the majority of songs on the, Liz, on the self-titled album were written by Liz Fair. Um, you know, they were written, they were produced by um, Michael Penn, who uh, he's like worked with Amy Mann and stuff. He co-wrote yeah. um, uh, Wise Up from the Magnolia soundtrack and like, you know, he, it's, I guess the story is that she, she wrote the whole album. She, she did it all, you know, produced by Michael Penn, did that whole thing, brought it to the label. And the label was like, we can't make money off this. We're going to hook you up with the matrix because this was also her, like her previous album was like co-released by Capitol records and with Matador, but this was her first like straight up major label debut. Yeah. And I kind of understand where the label is coming from because the Liz Fair songs on this album that Liz Fair wrote herself, for the most part, are boring and uninspired. So they were like, let's at least have some boring songs on here that we can make money off of. Yeah, there it is. I mean, you just you just kind of called it. So right. And and the thing is, this is they're try they were like, we need to make a 36-year-old mo- divorced mother, Avril Lavigne. And that's why this doesn't work in any way, you know? Um, and I would say that, like, in some ways, it's almost like Liz Fair has an impossible standard to live up to because the whole thing is that she was, like, very young when she released Exile in Guyville. It was considered this classic album, this super, you know, Gen X, like, crystallization of that culture and that, and of and also of, like, feminism in that, in that uh, era and this sense of disaffectedness and the sense of like, you know, fucking men taking up space all the time, never examining themselves, never thinking about how they, you know, impose themselves on other people. And I'm going to be sarcastic and snotty about it. And I actually really like Exile and Guyville. I think there are some, I agree that it's very long, but I, I do resonate with a lot of that. And there are some glimpses of those smart storytelling moments on this album, but you know, this was 10 years after Exile in Guyville. So she she came out with some other uh, albums after Exile in Guyville was so, you know, was successful um, and got all this critical praise. She had an album in 94 called Whip Smart, where she got a Grammy nomination for uh, Best Female Rock performance, uh, vocal performance. And then she had another album four years later called White Chocolate Space Egg. Uh, and neither of those really ended up going too far and and this was in the time when people were still buying physical albums so you know it it kind of fizzled for some reason and she also at this time you know she got she was married she had a child 
um, and then got divorced. So this is fresh off of the divorce. And, you know, and you get, again, you get these little pieces and these vignettes and the storytelling of like some pretty cool or not like cool, but like some pretty poignant like insights about like, you know, when you just to like compare them, compare her against something like, say, Imagine Dragons when they came out about that album that was supposedly about divorce and it was terrible. Um, but like, at least there's, there's some moments of depth. There's some moments of that vulnerability and rawness, but especially with the matrix produced tracks, it's like, it's like her as a 36 year old woman cosplaying herself, you know, 10 years ago and doing a really bad, desperate job of it. Right. And they even like on the album cover, she's topless hugging a get, an electric guitar. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like, well, the guitar is, yeah, supposed to echo the, you know, the female figure, right? You know, that's. Uh... And then I think the other important thing to talk about with this album is just how thoroughly it was fucking trashed in the press. It was just. Yes savaged by the rock critics i think it was unfairly uh like a pinata of like whatever frustrations whatever frustrations or anger gen x had about what happened (laughs) like there was this sense that like you know indie rock was going mainstream somewhat still authentically you know like you had beck you had you know other artists who were kind of like you know they were in the indie scene they were transitioning to be more popular but like there was still a sense that you could still listen to them and feel like kind of like all right they're still cool whatever that can mean they're still authentic whatever that means these are all moving target definitions right i think the liz fair liz fair album was almost so obvious and she was very clear like i want to make a hit record and she was almost she was right so obvious about it and so open about it that it created that anger because i think for a lot of people who when it comes to like indie rock indie cred whatever there's nothing worse than being obvious about the fact that you want to be liked yes and that you want to make money that is like the cardinal sin even if people are doing it you have to perform it better you even if you do want to be popular well especially if you're a woman and that's where it gets into this like this almost this double bind of liz fair's identity where she's really not able she's like you know she comes out and she's praised for being like subversive and sexual and you know raw and you know kind of sardonic and sarcastic and and whatever and then she you know her attempts at being sexual uh in this stage of her life is is considered is like you look at it and it's like oh my god this is this is uncomfortable it's desperate and pathetic and part of that is because of the over processing and the like production and the there are some very cringy lyrics that i have to you know give her some blame for but it was also you know her she was like okay like i got all this critical claim but people weren't buying my record. So I want to, you know, have this level of success, you know, I deserve it. And like, meanwhile, like Cheryl Crow, like she was performing, she did backup for um, Soak Up the Sun. She did vocals on that album and and that song. And, uh, you know, that's blowing up. And she's like, I want some of that. And you get definitely, unfortunately, a lot of Cheryl Crow on this album. You get some like pop country on this album. You get some- the harmonica on White Hawk come. That that to me was actually more shocking than come <laughs> being said repeatedly. Was why the fuck there's a harmonica? <laughs> Talk about hot white come all you want. I'm not scandalized, but the harmonica, that threw me for a loop. 
Yeah. Right. Um, the other thing is, I feel like uh, at the time this came out, um, indie rock circles were like, ext- like much more provincial uh, and, and, and insular so, and judgmental than they are now. And all white and male. And so like there, I, I wanted to talk about that too. Like just these, these reviews that she got, like the zero, she got a 0.0 from Pitchfork from a 19 year old white guy on Pitchfork who That's later, wild. who later like went back and was like, you know what? I actually regret the way that I, I talked about her at the time because it was incredibly unfair. Like he admitted it and he actually talked to her at one point to like apologize, but he, you know, this is the, this is the review. 10 years on from exile, which is 10 years ago when you were nine <laughs> child <laughs> who's writing this fucking review. I related so much to blowjob queen as a nine-year-old <laughs> suburban white boy. What a fucking piece of- 10 years on from exile, Liz has finally managed to achieve what seems to have been her goal ever since the possibility of commercial success first presented itself to her to release an album that could have just as easily been made by anybody else. Even the songs on Liz Fair that could be considered shocking or profound are gratuitous and overdetermined, eschewing the stark and accusatory insights of exile in favor of pointless F-bombs, manipulative ballads, and foul-mouthed shmeminism. It's sad that an artist as groundbreaking as Fair would be reduced to cheap publicity stunts and hyper-commercialized teen pop. But then, this is the album she has always wanted to make, one in which all of her quirks and limitations are absorbed into well-tested cliches and ultimately one that might as well not even exist so who hurt you but (laughs) and and so you get stuff like that you also get like the new york times megan o'rourke so if a female you know rock journalist saying um that Liz Fair gushes like a teenager and had, quote, committed an embarrassing form of career suicide. And we know how quick, you know, women are to, to declare other people's uh, yeah. <laughs> careers over. Uh, it sucks. The, the, the reception was, it wasn't just cold. It was like betrayed. It was like furious. You know what but I that's mean? That's why it's like, I'm not saying the album is, is really good. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the level of like vitriol says more about like indie rock and what that meant to people and authenticity than it does about the album. Like people's reaction to it says more about them and the scene and the culture at that time. Well, there's no room for, yeah, that's what I'm saying, that double bind. Like she, it's almost like she couldn't win. You know what I mean? She can't win from the label. She can't win, you know, her personal life stuff is all so kind of in shambles at this point. And then, you know, and she's trying to follow up to this huge hype and it's all you're you're set up to fail in that sense. So I do have some level of like empathy for that, but also, man, there's yeah. some whack shit on this I album. Think I would, I'd have more empathy if like you know, I mean, if this was an album of songs all written by the Matrix, it's like, look, well, look, she's trying to make money. Um, she did fully cross over. Uh, you know, it isn't it isn't what the indie heads were expecting, but like it was never meant to be. The thing is, like, she did write most of the songs on this album, and, like, those songs suck compared to Guyville. Like, it's not, it's it, it, certainly, yes, like, there are factors of misogyny, and you know, and, like, dumb scene politics at play. Like, that's a huge part of it. And the fact of how hard it would be, how hard it is just in general to, like, you know, write something personal and have it be accepted if you're, like, a 36-year-old mom. Um, you know, that's just, it's not, it's not ever going to be cool. It's not ever going to be like attractive to, to, 
the you know largely 20 something year old male yeah the gatekeepers of whatever but i mean also like the songs are just boring is the unfortunate thing that is the worst part for me is like if you're gonna sell out sell the fuck out i'm with it you want (laughs) to make some money you're like you know what i'm over this i want people to listen to my music yeah do like uh celebrity skin from hole or something yeah like i don't you know this idea of authenticity this idea of like you know it's wrong to want to make money like there's so many things there but like overall it's just boring and that's the Mm -hmm. worst like Mm -hmm. If I was Liz Fair, I would almost be like, you know what, if we're going to bring the Matrix in, let's really bring them in and like really, but really think about, don't put me, don't give me the cast off of Avril Lavigne's album or Hilary yeah. Duff. But that's what it is. It's Ashley Simpson. And also like, by trying to, to, you know, to play both sides, like it, 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 it's even more to the detriment of the album because those Matrix songs, you know, the way they sound and the, the way they're structured and the lyrics and everything and the production on them, every, every, in every way, they're just completely divorced from the other fucking, you know, seven or eight songs on the album. It's it's like two mm-hmm. completely different albums that well, both suck in different ways. It's true. You're right. And that's why you can be, you know, you're trying to be everyone, everything to everyone and you end up being nothing to no one. Yeah. But it's especially, I will say, like, it's especially hard when you're when you're a woman in, in the rock industry, for sure. And I think we all agree on that. But the issue is that this album is like, I think she knew my diehard fans, like the scenester people, the purists, they're not going to like this. But it doesn't really do enough to get the Cheryl Crow fan yeah. or the, you know. Or to get anybody who's going to listen to Avril Lavigne and, and Ashley Simpson. You yeah. know what I mean? Because again, oh, yeah, it really doesn't work. It doesn't. I will, as an Avril Lavigne fan, because <laughs> you <laughs> know, I was that age. I was that age listening to Avril Lavigne. And I, you know, obviously now I know she was a package product. Like if you look into Avril Lavigne, she wasn't a skater girl that they found like in the middle of Canada. Like she was someone who- She was like a Christian rock singer. She yes, was like Katy and, Perry, right? She was, like they yeah. found her and basically were like, hmm, you know what? We have so many like pop girls right now. We need Let's to make high on you. <laughs> yes, Blink-182 Blink is doing really well. Bands like that. Let's make you kind of like that. Let's make you like a lady version of like these pop punkers that we see. That's a new angle. And she was successful in it. At the time, I really thought I was getting an authentic artist with Avril Lavigne, right? Like I really felt that. And at for some, 11, yeah. Fuck at yeah. 11, I was like, yeah, she's different. Like she's <laughs> mad. Like pretty much everyone who's <laughs> going to become a sad girl, Avril Lavigne was a starter drug. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, it sure. was like, oh, like, I'm not like other girls. Like, that was well, like the beginning <laughs> of that feeling. It's actually funny that we were talking about this because I think um, when we had the episode with Palehound, the first episode of this season, way back when, um, they were talking, you know, Ellen was talking about how Avril Lavigne was like her earliest, like, that was her singer songwriter, like, mentor, like, through everything that she she does. It's like Simple Plan and Avril Lavigne, in, it, you know, were, were those Michelle groups. Branch. And it's funny because because Avril Lavigne was doing like a Liz Fair impersonation of like 1993, right? Like, so I could imagine that that existentially must fuck you up. Like Liz Fair must be like, what the fuck? Like Avril Lavigne, Michelle Branch, all these artists. Like I was the singer songwriter who was like singing about real shit, being raw, you know, mm-hmm. putting some some fuzzy lo-fi sounds on shit. And now all of a and sudden- And they're cosplaying as her while she's cosplaying as them cosplaying as her. So it's, and I think that's like the saddest part for me is like, 
there's nothing wrong in wanting to make a popular album. I think the issue is that the Matrix and whoever her producers were at the major label, they weren't willing to actually sit down and think, how do we create music that is going to be more marketable, but at the same time is true to you, but actually is interesting? Yeah. Like, how do we actually do that? Because the little people like me who were like, Avril Lavigne is so authentic. Liz Fair was a VH1 artist. Mm-hmm. There was right. a I think we have to bring that up. There was MTV yes. and VH1. Right. And they were having a It's like Facebook down. and TikTok. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which obviously I'm not a TikToker. So exactly. All are. Of us, oh, we are all VH1 now. We, we are all VH1, VH1 now because like at the time I saw Liz Ferris like, who is this like older lady? Like I didn't think of, I didn't know her history. I didn't know, but that's why, because they gave her this sound that kind of sounded like, remember Hillary Duff also Disney tried to make her kind of like an Avril Lavigne-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let the rain on your skin. Oh no, that's unwritten. What was oh, that's oh, she was. Uh, let, let the rain come down and yes. make my different wash away my Because I want to feel the thunder. I want to scream. Anyway, all to say that was a bop, and we know it. Indeed. But the issue was that for them, it was like okay, we're being introduced to them, and we have a relationship with them because they're being sold to us, young women, right? As like mm-hmm. every woman. And we can relate to them and they're like us. But with Liz Fair, obviously as a 11, 12 year old, yeah, it was hard to connect with her. And they weren't, and this could be again, the hardships of being a woman singer songwriter. She wasn't connecting with women of that demographic. And if we did get that album, we would get to the song called White Hot Come. So again, <laughs> who was this album made for? That's why, because... Exactly, because the Matrix producer asks, like, why can't I, like, why can't I breathe? Which I'm like, oh, God, I hate that chorus. But, like, but all to say, it was popular. It was a popular song. And you might get people who bought it and thought, this is what I'm going to get from this artist. And then they come to White Hot Come. <laughs> Speaking of which, I feel like it's probably time for us to jump right on into this shit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No time like the present. So, um, so this album, it is, uh, like 50 minutes long. It's not as long as exile and guyville, which is cool. Um, and we're going to jump right on into the first track here, which is called extraordinary. Here we go. Yeah. I drive naked through the park and run the stop sign in the dark. And in the street, yell out my heart to make, to make you love me. I am extraordinary if you never get to know me. Uh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so this is one of the Matrix songs. They front load them. Wait, I was going to say, I forgot to mention this before, which is that I didn't double, I didn't check which uh songs were matrix songs so i wanted to guess and i was obviously going to guess that this was a matrix song so for the other ones don't tell me right away okay all right what this is obviously a matrix song it sounds like a lit song at the beginning it's very early aughts you get that like whoa you get a lot of that on this album there's a lot of like turn off then turn on like it goes Mm. all the way down and then it comes back you know, I think that's mm-hmm. like its kind of own way of being like, this is rock because we're going to surprise you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it is. It really is like a, a pretty basic, you know, pop song structure. Um, but they they have the heavily distorted guitars like they're at least trying to throw her a bone on this one. 
Whereas yeah. some of the other Matrix songs are like just Avril in every way, Hillary Duff in every way. Um, I think this is the best of the Matrix songs. It's I don't love yeah. it, but it almost sounds like a Liz Fair song. <laughs> it's very close. Yeah, you know what it is? It's like, and this is I'm I'm willing to critique myself on this as well. It's almost like too effervescent. Yeah. Like it's too bright. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very processed. The vocals are very, very processed. Sounds but like it, it may not have been made for me, so that's fine. Right, right. It's it, well, and this one is. But an who example. was it made for? It, Chardonnay. Get the cube in the glass. Right. I just dropped off the kids, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's time for me to have some me time. And I don't think that's bad, but it's just. I mean, I might do that now. I just turned thirty, and I'm close to getting the cube in there. Yeah, like there's no shame in it. You can tell that at least that she wrote like the lyrics on this one, it, it, but it's one of those where it, it, the juxtaposition feels somewhat jarring because you have like these, you know, so, like I drive naked through the park, which is like, you know, this nod to her like dirty girl roots, but it's still the sound is so like sanitized and safe and flat. And then, you yeah. know, she's got these cool lyrics. Like I thought this, you know, see me jump through hoops for you. You stand there watching me performing. What exactly do you do? Have you ever thought it's you that's boring? Who the hell are you? I actually really like that sentiment. Yeah. I feel like that's very, that's very rock and roll. It's very her, but it's juxtaposed with this like super lame, like mid-tempo. Like That's why I don't think her lyric, like I am really impressed with the lyricism. Like whether or not I always like, connect with the actual I, I connect with her lyricism because lyricism is like really gone for music in a lot of ways like actually caring about the lyrics and the lyrics standing on their own yeah because a lot of music now is made where it's like you're just listening it's like a vibe it's like the mood and the lyrics are secondary it's like yes. okay this fits so I am impressed by that but you're right it's just like it's it's juxtaposed with this sound that's so it's not exciting Darrow. at all you know yeah. where it's going to go. Like, I'm like, I know exactly what the song is going to sound like from the minute, from the first 30 seconds. I'm like, this is what's going to happen with this song. The chorus is going to come again. The guitars are going to go meh, 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 again. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And also I can totally see this being a song and I know it probably was that played in a rom-com. Like I imagine like, you know, a white woman, like on the streets of some Sandra city. Bullock. Yes. Just like after a triumphant moment being like, <laughs> and then she like twirls the fuck around and like realizes like i don't need anybody i'm a strong woman but then she falls in love with a very you know rich man but still she had that moment where she realized she was all she needed if not a rom-com then definitely an episode of gossip girl for sure oh yeah (laughs) no never gossip girl gossip girl would never that's too too sexy that's true actually um, um, I don't think, uh, yeah, the, the lyrics that you cited in the bridge are okay, Heather, but there's also some pretty bad ones on here. Um, the hook I think is, has really bad lyrics and I don't think she wrote that. Uh, the, the hook is, I am extraordinary. If you'd ever get to know me, I am extraordinary. I am just your ordinary average everyday sane psycho super goddess, which is like, basically if you want my autobiography, baby, just ask Yeah, me. it, it, it it is but i i actually thought that was something she could have written but either way it's like it's the word cloud that the algorithm promoting her was trying to have her like you know reconcile all of her competing required identities which you know i feel like meredith brooks covered this better and i'm a bitch (laughs) 
Oh, that song is a fucking classic. It's a classic. And she covers, it's the same thing, right? It's like, I am multiple things. Don't be, I, I refuse to give in to the binary or dualism of what a woman should be. I'm all these things at once, but it was done better in that song. Yeah. Also, what's the deal with, you may not believe in me, but I believe in you. So I still take the trash out. Does that make me too normal for you? I think it would be abnormal if she didn't take the trash out of yeah. her, just living in a trash house full of trash. <laughs> that would be not normal. I like it's that normal song. to take the trash out. I like the idea of that song. I'm just living in a trash house. Yeah. <laughs> Covered in trash. I don't take my trash out. Does that excite you? That's why. <laughs> if, you, if you flip the line, you're like, that, that's, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I love that. That's <laughs> That is absolutely perfect. All right. Should we move on to the next one here? Yes. Wow. Are you feeling feverish? You should get that checked out. (laughs) In the meantime, we're going to listen to uh, the Red Light Fever. Trying to figure out where you the raw sexuality oozing from this song the the red light fever uh, your heartbeat just you know pound in your chest with with this kind of up tempo you know vibrant songwriting i mean it's about a, a dude who isn't very good at making decisions it's just you know what it is it feels like so much it's just filler it's it's already filler and it's a second song. This I was thinking like- that actually. I was thinking, was this the time like at what we're so in two thousands we're entering the point where people no longer buy albums, right? Like two thousand three, yeah, it's starting to wind down, but not quite. I mean, people are still buying CDs, but not as many. Like there used to be an idea of like I was actually talking about this this morning where I was mm-hmm. like albums used to be kind of formulated to intentional. Get- intentionally like you were supposed to listen to the whole album together and so yes there would be songs that are slower or not as catchy or not as you know what I mean as exciting maybe but the purpose was not for each song to be like the climax if that makes right. sense it's, like the album is entirety exactly it's, it's telling a story there's you know there's the rising action there's climax like it, if you are creating a, a, a an album and not a collection of you know like throw this all at the wall and see what sticks singles then yeah yeah, then this would be a criminal decision and even if you're trying to make a a single this is a criminal decision this song fucking sucks i wanted to because this is is this um another matrix song mike dunn this is not Uh, no this song was co-written with um gary clark uh who uh did a lot of work with natalie and brulia Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Nick Carter yeah. and Katie Lang and wow. uh, Emma Bunton. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that type of shit. That type of shit. Katie Lang and Nick Carter. <laughs> That's an interesting, interesting Listen. combo. But point, yeah. I mean, if you take Natalie and Brulee, I mean, that, that's a very similar lane, right? Isn't it? 
Yeah. But the thing is, is that Natalie Imbruglia has that kind of like, whisk, you know, that raspy little whisper to her voice or something. And the whole thing with this was like the big problem with this album. One of the big problems with this album is like Liz Fair in the early, uh, you know, recordings and, uh, you know, Exile and Guyville. She's got this like kind of deadpan delivery of like being like sort of emotionally detached. Her voice is lower, uh, yeah. you know, and so, but she's got, you know, she's got a great voice. She hits every note, but it's like, you know, these kind of, um, that, that early nineties, like, um, you know, ironic detached vocals and it kind of works. But when you flatten everything out and over process everything, the detachedness doesn't seem like a cool, you know, uh, you know, yeah. alternative rocker chick thing to, you know. Yeah, you can't be, you can't, like, you can't have that attitude and then have the song just like these like compressed string swells come in and out throughout the song. Like, yeah. just have it be this like orchestral closing credits of a shitty movie uh, quality to it, you know? And, and then the lyrics, like this metaphor of like, this guy is such a coward that he's like a person scared of the lights at a traffic light. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> what is that? You're such a coward. You're like scared of the, the light's going to turn green and I was, red. I would say Liz Fair has a commitment to metaphors. Like yeah. if she does a metaphor, she'll do the whole fucking song as that metaphor. You know what I mean? Like she won't let up. It's not like, oh, here's a metaphor. And now we're going to continue on something else. We're going to like take this metaphor and go for three, four minutes. Yeah. Hammer it right <laughs> into the ground. Yeah. And that's why the hook is scared the lights will turn green. You have to be seen. You'll be like anybody else. Scared the lights will turn red. You're stuck in your head. You can't commit to even her. How are you going to get through the year? It just sounds fake. It sounds like it's written by an algorithm. Yeah. And that's what's hard to know because I do feel like I am like, I take a step back and I'm like, you know, she's a lyricist. She has demonstrated time and time again that she, you know, really cares about what she writes. Like that's like one of her strong suits. Like, so when I'm reading these lyrics and thinking this seems phoned in, like maybe to her it really didn't, but it's just how it's coming off. No, I think she knew. <laughs> yeah, I think she definitely knew. I, I give people a lot of credit. I'm like, you know, don't. I know. <laughs> when have white women ever deserved your credit on the show? If you I know, but I just have it. I was raised by whites in so many ways so i like try to do that i'm like don't excuse us <laughs> i'm trying to understand you why Ugh, dude, you're very talented what, but who, what you know always going nowhere afraid of going somewhere and somewhere's a place in your heart yeah that's yeah you're right that's not come good. on those are no. not you're right you're right and bad. my the friend singing, yeah the singing is also because again with the singing like it's also about personal preference but i tend to be someone that i like people who when they sing i really feel like they're singing yeah like deep from someplace but that's also a stylistic choice right And there's plenty of artists i listen to who don't do that but here it because the song itself is so and then the lyrics are like Meh, and then her singing of it is also that so there's nothing really taking me anywhere like this isn't no. like when am I supposed to listen to this song like if Would I was actually having a conflict with a partner would I listen to this song <laughs> no are you no. Are, are you saying that you're always going nowhere but afraid of going somewhere with this song because <laughs> I feel like I, I I believe I have that crisis within me but yeah. I don't think that this song is bringing it out 
in me or making me feel comforted. No, there's nothing, there's nothing urgent or concerned about any of this either. There's none of that, yeah. like that, that energy, like the exile and Guyville energy, which is like, I'm literally like surrounded by these fucking ignorant, like terrible men who I also am compelled to fuck. And I, and I really hate myself for it. And, you know, there's these, these dramas and these stakes and, you know, living yeah. in the shitty apartment or whatever, like all these things that, you know, even though it's still just like a small, like individual experience, it, those things feel, feel big and, and meaningful in those songs. And this is just like, there's, there's nothing, no, nothing's being said here. Yeah. No, no, it's the, it's a song about a, a guy who's like a, someone at a traffic light. Yep. Yep. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. Mm. Yeah. He's playing both sides of the net. Too many people want too many things, and you only want to forget. Oh, and that's deep. Spicy. You're welcome. If yeah, if you're gonna write a song about a shitty guy, like give me juicy details. <laughs> give me the deep. <laughs> what is happening? Go listen to Exile and Guyville. Don't yeah. plenty of details um, that I have personally related to. <laughs> Remember yeah. when I lived in a house of like thirteen, <laughs> and I was one of two women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was fun yeah yeah it was fun it was fun um okay so let's why don't we fucking move <laughs> the fuck on here we're going to uh the this is okay so this was the hit single this Do is the know? hit how much of a hit was this this feels like it, it felt like a middle of the road hit like it wasn't like a big it was the lead single so it was uh, on... it reached number 32 on the billboard hot yeah. 100 her right, highest so. charting single to date and it was featured in the 13 going on 30 soundtrack boom there it is there i i'm sure i saw that movie at, at some point jennifer garner yeah jennifer garner yeah. that's a good movie yeah cover the tuba prime mark ruffalo yes Ooh. peak mark ruffalo i'd peak ruffle a ruffalo <laughs> i would ruffle a ruffalo that was a good romantic casting on their part like all those like that was an alt girl casting right there mm -hmm. even though she was 13 and going on third she was in a grown woman's body <laughs> yes no it was big it was just big <laughs> don't ask too many questions it was lady big it was Lady, Lady Big. Oh, speaking of Lady Big, this is <laughs> a big song here. This is uh, Why Can't I? And yeah, I mean, that's that's a very lukewarm top 100 charting there. Like that's, you know, it and it and yeah, it's not good. So here we go. This is uh, Why Can't I? Get a load of me, get a load of you Walking down the street and I hardly know you just like we were meant to be Holding hands with you when we're out at night Got a girlfriend you say it isn't right And I've got someone waiting to No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Listen. So let it sweep over you. Well, this one is <laughs> let the rain fall down. <laughs> let the rain fall down. Let the hot white cum rain down. <laughs> <laughs> so um um Adrian Begrand of Pop Matters called this song a note for note retread of complicated. 
and I had that in mind while re-listening to it there and like it really it does it's the it's exactly the same it is wow except without the passion (laughs) yeah (laughs) or the complication (laughs) like and it's not cute to be 36 and uh, you know and that's what she's doing on this song dude like it it should be it should be complicated it should be more complicated than it is because if you dig into the lyrics this is a song about her and another guy having an affair both cheating on their partners with each other as as their you know current relationships sort of fall apart but the way she writes it she's describing it like it's a fucking fairy tale i thought it sounds like liz spence none the richer (laughs) (laughs) i fucking hated it i really hated this this is such toothless bullshit and it positions her as a helpless idiot that's about to perish pining over some dirt bag and that's you know that's a thing that she was making fun of earlier that was a thing that she was self-aware of in her earlier work and to then just be like un you know just unashamed like yeah, yeah. You, like you said, fairy tale, you know, fantasizing about this like really grimy, like sad, desperate, like interaction. Yeah. What's funny as well, because I didn't catch this at first because I knew this lyric was in there. And I remember when I was young and I heard this lyric, I was like, what does that even mean? I remember being young and like when I would hear this song, because it was playing a lot on the radio to an extent when it's like, we're already wet and we're gonna go swimming. I remember thinking like, that doesn't make any sense. And now I'm like, wait a second, Whoa. it's sexual. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. it's, it's a sexual reference. But again, it's like, she's forcing it. She's forcing the sexual references into this like bubblegum framework. And it's just jarring. She literally gives us a pity fucking. Like she puts the word fucking in this. She pity fucks us. She gives us one like, little glimpse of like the Liz that used to be in in the lead single in in a it, where it's gonna get beeped out anyway like I don't it's it's it doesn't make any sense well you know all. part of me this is again remember I'm all over the place here but the fact that she's made such like a the song you'd hear in like a Kmart commercial yeah but the like we haven't fucked yet, but my head's spinning and like we're already wet, but we're gonna go swimming. There's something about that that's like so twisted because it sounds so pleasant and it sounds so like I could like go on a family road trip and we're gonna listen to this new Liz Fair album. Ooh, we heard it on 13 going on 30, so great. But it has these like lyrics that are so, so different. And part of that to me is almost disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> It yeah. brings it brings up disturbed emotions within right. me. Especially like, because you're thinking about it being marketed towards you as an 11 or 12 year old. Yeah. That's actually yeah. part of it. And you I try to think you... about it today too. Like would an artist today, like I think yeah. Liz Fair is one of many artists who, you know, did the work of really bringing more, ex- like women being able to like more explicitly talk about sex. Mm-hmm. So that's totally there. And other artists are now I almost think like explicitly talking about sex comes up a lot now in music that's more popular. Right. right. True. But it's explicit. It's not, uh, you know, like I'm rubbing you down and with just some sunscreen, <laughs> like kind of, you know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just having a little fun. Like it's, it, you know, it, yeah. it tries to be raw and raunchy, but it's all entendre. So it's, it's, you know, and we do hear that in music today for sure, but it, it doesn't even go far enough. I, I, I wish it would. 
especially yeah. when 10 years ago she's like the blowjob queen you know yeah. and that's her whole thing you can look at those pre-chorus lines as like her um trying to subvert the expectations of this kind of music like yeah you know cheekily but i really think it's more likely that it was you know Capitol records and the matrix trying to shoehorn her established brand into their framework yeah um and to me i just it just see it comes off as awkward yeah very very awkward is a kind way of putting it i think i wonder what her relationship with the matrix was like because part of me is like did the matrix really try oh yeah did we um heather have you guessed yet who wrote this song oh i think <laughs> yeah because this is quite clearly big matrix energy on this one. yeah this is for sure the matrix. Big matrix energy i think i have some guesses coming up too i think that i i don't know i mean yeah it's it's either really really boring and bad or and like kind of bad or it's like really really bad and kind of boring so yeah why don't we move on to the next one here moving sure. right along to uh it's sweet it's sweet down on the lower east side in the dirtiest apartment you could find you took me um there's a there's a bit of a a preamble that i would describe as like left over from you know like when ray of light came out yes i wrote that yes. too yep it's correct that kind of like mildly exotic indian-esque yep. beat yep correct correct the ray of light spacey warbly guitar yep and the weird like psychedelic drum crashes every once in a while and then yep it's it's like bad it's fucking bad. White people should have, there should be some sort of like ban on sitars. Absolutely. There Absolutely. should be, a, for sure, at least a street white system. People. We need to have a, a registry or something. Like a questionnaire of like, <laughs> we need to why? hold a license or. <laughs> what draws you to the sitar in this? What are you trying to evoke? Yeah, we need to be advocates for sensible uh, sitar regulation. Absolutely. Like, do you do kundalini yoga? Do you not? <laughs> <laughs> Would you consider it? Um, this is the uh, first song I thought was okay. Bold. <laughs> Tell me more. Very bold. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like it, it was written by a human being. Oh, okay. That's a good marker. In the early night, I catch you staring and you make a joke about it deep yeah. <laughs> what that yeah like, i guess I, a I actually you know what i do get it because like the lyrics are are good or like what she's trying to i get what she's trying to evoke it's like when you're with someone and they're acting like and or presenting that they're really falling in love with you yeah you know? but it's yeah. like so and, the but you know that it's like not real the execution is so anemic and unenthusiastic. It's like blow up doll bad sex. It's it, it's so, like and and also just like the idea of like singing about like the dirtiest apartment on the Upper East Side, but you sound like what like you sound like bewitched. Like I don't <laughs> I can't take that seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so let's fucking move on from this one into uh, rock me. <laughs> Oh baby, you're young, but that's okay. What's give or take nine years anyway? I'll bet you last cigarette you won't regret. 
gotta tell you. You know what? I didn't mind this one. Wow. <laughs> I really minded this one. I minded I it too. quite a bit. Yeah. It, you it... know what? This was a good one in terms of it it hit the vibe of a Hillary Duff song way better. <laughs> but it's about <laughs> what a Hillary a Duff song. Man. It's about fucking a man like 10 years younger or nine years younger than her. So then it's not as creepy. It's about Uh, fucking a man who's 27. uh, And she describes him as if he's 18. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. This 27 year old is like, you know, obviously. I mean, maybe when we're 36, we'll think of 27 year olds that way. But come on, baby, 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 if it's all right, want you to rock me all night. Well, I'm just wondering, latest- she, I don't want to throw subversive out there too much, but like, is it trying to be a little? This is, no, this is from the writer of Fuck and Run. <laughs> the end. <laughs> end of discussion. Like, this is supposed to be a well, rock star sex song. She fucked, like- she ran, and now she wants to be rocked all night by a baby. <laughs> 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 that sucks. That's <laughs> not, well, you know. I will say this song uh, made me feel better about what my lifestyle was when I was 27, you know? <laughs> that's true if someone made a song if i was you know actually that's funny my boyfriend is actually nine years older than me but i would say that well actually that's true like i guess like if you wrote a song about me and like being like oh she's younger than me like it'd be like she has a pretty steady job does a good by her community it wouldn't be as fun so <laughs> you got to find a 27 year old like this is what i'm trying but to say but this is a 27 year old playing xbox on your floor saying hi to your roommate i'd play xbox door. on a couch well we kind of are right now but this is a particular time <laughs> moment in time i was about to say i'm playing a lot of xbox but i have a couch and i schedule it and, and an i don't excuse. go past an hour <laughs> your record collection don't exist you don't even know who liz fair is i like what she's trying to explore here i mean she's trying to say like you know it must be weird like once you become a certain level of fame particularly within like music and a particular kind of music a lot of people might want to fuck you just because you're Liz Fair so she's like I actually like that I found this little like crust Xbox player who like (laughs) is just fucking me because I'm an attractive woman not because I'm an attractive woman who notable for a certain kind of music right who isn't that what we all want when she came out with you know the fucking run you know album so yeah your your potential with no credentials your mother taught you how to be a sensitive man girl why do you have to be so desperate like you're liz fair like get someone with credentials there are 26 year olds with credentials like they they do exist but that's its own little power play right like sometimes maybe you just want to fuck someone that you know you're better than true like that's its own kind of flex. You know what it is? You know the anemic quality. That's, that's quality. what fucking run is. That's what that song is, and it's so much better. True. You know what it is? The overall anemic quality of a lot of these songs. In a weird way, it seems like a person who's kind of just like give it up. Like, they're in that place in life where maybe they're just kind of like, you know what? Meh. That's not a great place to write an album from. The meh. <laughs> 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 Or I guess you have to, the meh, like, you can write about meh, but it has to have a tinge of something else. 
introspection. Right. Yeah, yeah this is too hollow. Like, it's just a hollow imitation of what people originally liked about her. Um, and then they run everything through, like, six filters. Like, There's just a lot of filters. And rotary and tons and tons of compression. It's like, I don't know. This, to me, sounds like the uncanny valley of music. Again, it doesn't, I don't get the sense this was written by a human being. It, again, sounds like it was written was, by, was like, a... a was this a Matrix song? Yes. Okay, I, I called it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely. Especially the, I wanna rock. Like, that's when you know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, that's how you rock. <laughs> that's how you rock. You go, rock me, 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 me. Oh, I just try to imagine her singing this live, and I'm like, does she perform these songs? I just try to imagine, like, sitting in a crowd, like, yeah, let's pull up the most bit. recent Liz Fair set it's, list. It's the face that white people make to people of color when they pass them on the sidewalk, and they go, "It's a lower chin, it's a chin tuck, and I'm shit." All right, let's move on to the next song here, which is called "Take a Look." Like an <laughs> Heather, I just found out something crazy about this album. What? Wendy O played uh, bass on this album. Wendy O? Wendy from Wendy and Lisa. What? Yeah. You know, it doesn't completely surprise me. That doesn't completely surprise me at all. That makes kind of makes sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I can picture a queer lady playing guitar on this album. <laughs> For sure. That's what, being I, like. is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but I, this song is so fucking boring. So this one didn't get matrixified. It just got fucking overprocessed, I imagine, right? It's just, just an, a boring Liz Fair song. Yeah. 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 Right. Oh, yeah. Wendy, Wendy played guitar on the song. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's got that, it's got that Etheridge energy. <laughs> don't just mean like <laughs> queer lady but also just like mid-tempo like yeah you know guitar yeah cheryl crow yeah this is another one where she takes a single uh metaphor mm. uh and just to, like ride it all like, the way uh what do you call it uh drives it into the ground yes because, you yeah. know the the idea is that uh her ex is checking in on her current love life like a rubbernecker looking at a car crash on the highway <laughs> mm -hmm. and that's just every single line that's the one idea that's yeah. all you get yeah right i'm some kind of freak now and you'll never see me the same what's all the fuss about are you sure you want to find out because once you know the truth you might wish you walked away maybe that's kind of what happened maybe it's a maybe that's a metaphor for her career <laughs> mm. you know like i don't know i thought I mean, perhaps there's i mean i will say you know in, in, a, in a weird kind of foreshadowing it's almost like people thought that this album was in fact like a car crash or like some sort of like you know train wreck 
Right. But in essence, it made people want to talk about it more. Like people like enjoyed trashing it. Like they enjoyed hating on it. So like in a weird sense, she foreshadowed. Yeah, well, she, she was, was kind of the whipping boy for all like the indie guys like yeah. uh frustrations with selling out and fucking jocks. Yeah, <laughs> and man and, and pretty women. women playing guitar. Yeah. And the man <laughs> existing. I mean, also like, you know, I'm some kind of freak now. You'll never see me the same. But once you know the truth, you might wish you'd walked away. And maybe the truth is that she was boring all along. <laughs> <laughs> and she just wants to well you know actually you know, that's interesting <laughs> that's actually very interesting it's one of those things that in writing where it's like show don't tell like why are yeah. you so like you're describing yourself like repeatedly as being like hard different. to handle or different yeah. or but what what is what is actually happening what are you doing or how are you thinking right. that actually it's it's there's a lot of telling like I'm telling you I'm that woman that is unclassifiable i'm telling you i'm that uncontrollable woman this you know that is so true but there's no details as to what actually qualifies her in that way besides the fact that she likes to give blowjobs and be covered in hot white cum which (laughs) you know right like yeah and that's the thing it just sounds like bare this song especially sounds like barely horny early aughts like pop country it's her just saying want to take a look take a look over that's, and over again you know that's an interesting point because the other thing is that the reason why this album becomes so compared to guyville like part of it is like people not letting go of what they thought of someone and not letting an artist grow or be different right like there used to be a time where you would expect the artist you listen to to try different types of music and you were supposed to kind of stay loyal like they're an artist they're a person they're going to change they're going to take chances you may not always agree with it you may not always like it but you should right. if you're a real like when fan the Backstreet boys came out with larger than life like we had to pretend that it was just as good yes because it- you want them to keep going and you want to respect that they're trying new things whatever but what's hard about this is that because she's almost referencing this persona you then can't help but compare it right yeah it's it's too obvious it's too present it it also gets compared to guyville because i don't think anyone listened to fucking white chocolate space egg no (laughs) i think white chocolate space egg is how we got into this whole mess because it was her doubling trying to double down on like i'm gonna make a popular album yeah 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 Yeah, this song sucks this song's a nothing song let's move on to little digger which is a song to her son so she has one son she had one son with i think this guy was like a filmmaker and they got divorced like right before this album or like a year or two before this album came out Mm so um this song is to her son you put your trucks up on the bed next to him so he can get a better look at them you say this one's my better entries i'm gonna put it yes. out there very yeah. much so my favorite on the album unfortunately the overprocessing really fucking sucks the life out of it still yeah but the lyrics are really powerful they're yes. very poignant you know i that's why i kept playing that because i'll cut the clip later but like there's 
you know, some really powerful storytelling and imagery there with the, you know, young son who, you know, she's dating again, dating somebody new, and he's trying to, you know, suss out this new man and, you know, his mother's life and trying mm. to make sense of all of that as a young child. I mean, I even think the implication is that her young son has walked in on her fucking a guy who's not her dad. I don't know about that part, but I didn't, I, maybe. I, I think it's because, like, did, uh, you saw your mother with another guy. Yeah. So the implication there is yeah. that maybe, and then it's like the bed. So it's like, he definitely has walked in on her in bed with another man, whether they were actively fucking or not. Like, yeah. it's a very intimate thing to see. And like, if your parents are divorced and you're young, you particularly don't understand what that means. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, there's lyrics like later on in the song i've done the damage the damage is done i pray to god that i'm the damaged one and all these grown-up complications that you don't understand i hope you can someday like that is a oh that that like that's a beautiful it's a beautiful touching heartbreaking sentiment of like you know and it's very deep yeah. which is why it's so implacable on this album and in the why this album is so confusing because you have these like little jewels and these like very like heart rendering moments that are you know so like insightful and and touching mm -hmm. very few and far between this is the first i guess this is really the big one on the on the album and it just it's it's so unfortunate that it's cushioned by all this fucking filler um and the song it's it's still too smoothed out you know it's like a it's like a textureless rendering of a 3d object yeah yeah, I also just a little, made a little bit uncomfortable by her writing like a penis uh, double entendre about really? her son. Where? Oh, little uh, digger. You're, you're thinking little thoughts about it, taking every inch of him in. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. Huh? I think it, I, I think she's no. I think it's like yeah, no. he's like taking in like. No. That there's this new man in her life, but also like he walked in on her taking every inch no, of him. No, in. no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not co-signing on that interpretation. On I this. don't know, I don't man. I, it kind I of seems. So. It seems like a Liz Fair move. Yeah. Uh, yep. Except I don't know. Everything I've learned about her <laughs> approach to that song, which I did look into this song because okay. it was my favorite on the album. Like, it does not imply that, but you know. Yeah. I I thought this was a great song, except for the textualistness of it. Yeah, the textualistness. Yeah. Lyrically, definitely the best song in the album, and the only real return to form yeah. on the album. But musically, still a little boring. soft and boring and yeah. toothless. Yeah, I know. God, why does can, can you give her some teeth? It's because she's a blowjob queen. She took all her teeth. Out. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, Lord. I'm sorry. How dare right. you? Let's move on here to Firewalker. Oh, Lord. Yeah, Firewalker with me. Firewalker with me.
fuck? What is the f- that you should? It should be illegal to write a song with the title Firewalker and have it sound like that. I just, I, <laughs> it's not so stupid. I uh, I liked this song. This is probably my favorite. Um, this is the only one that sounds like it could have been on Guyville. Uh, it's got the cool chord changes, which I've really been missing. Yeah. It's got a great melody, a great vocal melody in the verses. Yeah, the, I actually enjoy the vocal melody in this one. This one, I, this one was also a, a, a top one for me. I, I, I mean, I wrote about, you know, I liked the minor chords, the psychedelic drum crashes and the weird, like, you know, that, that wah-wah filter that's on everything. Yeah you know but then you have this still this all-encompassing like flatness of the chorus vocals and in the tender drum taps and the cowbell and it's so mid-tempo it feels like it was just intentionally slowed down like past the point of potency I, I don't know it's just too long and too slow and it doesn't hit where I really want it to but I can see why you liked parts of it I just think it's it's still very boring it just sounds like an indie rock song. Like it sounds like her lane. It sound, she sounds comfortable in it. Um, and like, it is another one where it's just like the same metaphor, like belabored for the entire song. But yeah. like, I dig the metaphor. She's a wild flame, but he's a firewalker. You know, he can handle the volatility. Um, she needs a firewalker in her life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Don't we all? <sighs> or am I the firewalker? I think I'm the firewalker. <laughs> I think I'm the firewalker. In <laughs> or no, wait, no, I'm the, no, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the flame, right? I don't know. I don't I, fucking know. Mm, These metaphors are clumsy. I think we're both flames. We're just feeding, feeding the fire. Yes. In my relationship. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, Alex is probably the firewalker. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I was about to say, I nominate <laughs> Alex for firewalker. <laughs> uh flame retardant um okay so <laughs> let's fucking <laughs> go on to the next one here uh this next track is called favorite um oh and obviously firewalker and little digger those were not matrix songs those were liz fair originals right correct yep, yep correct. okay you yeah, got it great doing doing okay so far all right so here we go with favorite why I never threw it out I'll never know exactly why Keep it in the drawer beside my bed It's faded pink now but it used to be red Starting to fray at the seams But I know that you still love me Like you did, like you did Like before, like before Like we will, like we will Be doing it once does not feel right i will say right now a sharp downward turn from those (laughs) comparatively glowing reviews we gave on the last few songs this is fucking trash it is bad it's hard it's the worst one it's the worst one i hate this fucking formula so much throw this formula into the fire and then to have (laughs) the lyrics be all about that this man is so comforting. He's like an old pair of underwear. What? Yo, bitch, you're rich. Go get new underwear. <laughs> Go get new. Anything can be your favorite. Underwear. I will say, it's she said like... it was a. She set up a Herculean task before her. 
the word underwear is a terrible word. Terrible word. <laughs> it's a terrible word. And then to use it repeatedly, like it's one of those words that makes everyone uncomfortable. It just so doesn't correct. sound good. So like she gave herself quite the challenge and there's no good word for underwear. Panties is also panties. questionable. Like underwear, panties, briefs. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's also adult contemporary Ashley Simpson. Yeah. Yes. I feel it like sucks. if Ashley Simpson saying it, it might've been a hit. Yeah. No, it would have been on fucking autobiography. It would have been on that fucking album that we already reviewed for this. But I feel show. like, you know, at like younger ladies would be like, oh my God, that's so funny underwear. It's uh, wild. It's wild that 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 Ashley Simpson album had so much more energy than this Liz Fair album. I don't know about so much more, but it's. Listen, I don't know what perks is... they had Ashley on, but like she could, you know. <laughs> get the energy up this is you can also you can hear the auto-tune and like feel the desperation like it's so clearly like okay this is me writing a pop song let me like talk about underwear because that's like racy and dangerous yeah again the metaphor is just being like but it's not even dangerous underwear it's not a thong it's about like i'm slipping you on again tonight oh my god dude that shit well i mean that line sucks i'm slipping you on again tonight what yeah throw that fucking simile in the fire too get out of here (laughs) this is another one where it feels like they're trying to shoehorn her brand into this framework or and just with disastrous results I'm again, like someone listening to this, do they feel like, you know what, this person in my life who I really like love, they're like my favorite underwear man. (laughs) Yeah, right. I can just listen to this. I'm going to dedicate the song. Could you imagine like sending this song to someone and being like, when I heard this song, I thought of you. Yeah, again, this is not relatable to humans. (laughs) No, my favorite underwear is clean underwear. Like, I'm not, like, buying horrible underwear. Like, it's just fine. It's there to serve a purpose. Do I have favorite underwear? I don't, you know, I'm actually... I, you know, I just tend to be, you know, this might be a controversial statement, but, like, if I'm, like, truly comfortable, I'm not wearing pants. Same, right. (laughs) I'm wearing a jumpsuit. Am I wearing underwear? Fuck no. I am in the comfort of my own climate-controlled home. If I'm calling you my underwear, then I'm saying, like, I'm actually not at my most comfort level. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like, it's more like, I'm in my shitty bathrobe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a giant t-shirt on my knees with a top bun. How comfortable (laughs) I am. I think uh, The Gap makes pretty good underwear. Okay. I think that's probably my favorite pair is the one from The Gap. Maybe I need to do better underwear shopping. I feel like maybe I haven't invested in it. Because also, like, my favorite underwear really is actually zero. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm like, my favorite underwear is no underwear. So, like, I'm I'm not the target demographic here. And isn't actually that sexier? Like, isn't that, you know, the cool, dangerous thing to do, right? I don't know. That's why I'm like, I just feel like as a, I just feel like as a woman, you come to understand, like, or anyone with a vagina, really, like, underwear is not that sexy. There's a lot of secretions. Yeah, just let it loose. Yeah. Let it loose. Let her live. Which I guess some people are into. I just don't know if it'd be the metaphor I'd go for. But, you know, all different <laughs> kinds. <laughs> so this is a song written for the, the Japanese perverts who buy these things from vending machines. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, okay. Everyone, everyone deserves a champion. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Everyone needs their own anthem. Exactly. Every superhero wow. needs theme music. Wow, guys. All right. Let's. Uh, there's like eight guitars on this track. I just want to get that out there, too. There's like literally eight guitars. Damn. Yeah. It's so just brick walled to shit. Just way too much going on. Heather, you know who wrote this song? Who? At the uh, Matrix. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, come, come on. I was like, oh, did somebody other than the Matrix write it? <laughs> the no. way you set it up made it seem like it was going to be a surprise. Yes, it obviously was the Matrix. Yes, correct. I just imagine <laughs> the Matrix sitting with Liz Fair and her producing these lyrics and then being like, you know what? We're just going to pretend we don't even hear what you're saying and we're just going to like smooth it out. You know what I mean? Like, I almost smooth like it out with eight guitars. <laughs> I feel like the Matrix almost didn't even give a shit what the lyrics were. No, I bet the Matrix wrote these lyrics. I bet they're like, I think they wrote Liz, them? Liz, we got this song that's going to be so you. It's going to be- And the people, are, your fans are going to love it. They're going to love it. This is going to be just like Guyville. It's a song about how a guy is like underwear. Get it? Like, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Mind blown. Mind Agreed. blown. Galaxy brain. Um, well, shall we move the fuck on yeah. to- love hate actually if you're looking for a new favorite pair of underwear <laughs> oh perfect <laughs> oh, tell um, me more i'd love to tell you more vq uh even though we have already established that we are not in the underwear market <laughs> and that the sexiest thing i can wear is is nothing in my home but uh we want to for those of you underwear lovers underwear havers underwear aficionados you know you want to spice up your love life you want to get a little dangerous you want to channel liz fair definitely not on this album but perhaps 10 years earlier uh well why don't you just go head on over to our partner site adamandeve.com it's uh you can get so much free stuff let me tell you what okay free stuff you think it's awesome. Like this podcast, for example, you're getting this podcast for free. You're welcome. You're getting us yelling about Liz Fair and her underwear for free. Um, and so it, it's actually your duty and your obligation to go to adamandeve.com and get some free stuff to spice up your bedroom. You can select almost any one item for 50% off. And then Adam and Eve loads on. Let me tell you, they load it. And oh, they loaded. Load right. means load <laughs> means come. Ah! They're coming all over you. Their white hot cum is all over you with free stuff. So you can enter the offer code bad music at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. It's unbelievable. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six free spicy movies plus free shipping. This uh, ad copy is as desperate as Les Fair, and so are we. So please go to adamandeve.com and buy some goddamn dildos. It's the end of the world. What else do you have to spend your money on? And uh, maybe we'll get some residuals, some, some, some precious doubloons from your horniness. So thank you. Stoppies, uh, go to adamandeve.com and use the keyword bad music. All caps. Not often, you know, not often does bad music lead to good sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's, that's, well, actually, I take that back. Make it come. That's the, the, that's the byline. That's the tagline for our new spinoff show. Make Whoa. It come. Bad music 
good sex. I what mean, is actually, what is bad music to have good sex to? I mean, some people would probably put in like 80s hair metal. Like someone's having Ooh. sex to, I don't know, fucking Molly Crew. It's not me, but someone is. Yeah. When I lost my virginity, the person I was sleeping with was playing Sublime and Jack Johnson, but it wasn't good sex. So I, I don't know. Yeah. You get yeah. what you get what you get in that scenario. Yeah. Was it banana pancakes? What's banana pancakes? That's a Jack Johnson song. Oh, I mean, I don't want to know. <laughs> or what about what about? I don't uh, want to know. Banana pa- make you banana pancakes or like you're bubbly, sitting there bubbly you're toes, sitting there having mediocre sex, just like shazamming. <laughs> like, I need to remember this forever. Oh fuck, it's banana pancakes. <laughs> it immediately go soft. Well, I'm sure I had sex to Santeria at one point. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about it. All right, let's move on to love hate, um, which is our relationship to Liz Fair and probably ourselves for doing this. So let's go ahead and have a listen. I grew up thinking what's good for one oppresses the other. It's my turn, my life, my way, mind me. You think no? No. This is like, uh, isn't this song about like uh, the damaging effects of capitalism and the helplessness and emptiness you feel when you know you're complicit in oppression and trapped in that system? I think it's it's trying to be, but it's not doing it so well. Right, exactly. VQ, yes. Uh, Mike Dunn, sure. Sure. <laughs> it's a world, it's a war with the boys and girls. It's a war and nothing's going to change. So it's, it's very, first of all, it's very much abdicating any sort of responsibility at the end of that, which is very white women, white womening. And then you have, it's drugs, it's hunger, it's race, sex, and government. Any way you look at it, you're part of it. You know it. The wrong inside you can't get it right you might as well get on the train. So like, okay, you can't like figure out how to like analyze like, or like racism or- I think uh, disillusionment and apathy are common emotions for many of us, but I think we don't want our songs to instill similar feelings. Well, and without any sort of like uh, critique of it or commentary, and then it turns into at the end, you offer the usher your ticket, you open your soda, see what guy you're sitting behind, you get excited, the lights go down, you get on the plane. And okay, maybe that's some meta commentary about going like, you know, using media as escapism to like, you know, avoid reckoning with these issues. But again, that's such a white woman, white womaning thing to be like, well, like, you know, things are hard and tough and difficult and overwhelming and the system's set up to fuck us over, so whatever (laughs) yeah it's just hard to know like what i'm supposed to get from this like i'm just confused again it's like imagining like who's listening to the song and being like yeah this song like really understands like my like quandary or like the my issue i'm dealing with where i feel like so much is fucked up in the world and but i feel so tired because what's the point like it's it 
it's saying what is like a, it's almost just like saying like it's like no shit like that is true mm-hmm. but like the song you've made about it contributes so nothing what? to that conversation it's, like it, it's, yeah and i think dressing up those lyrics in this song that sounds like it's like it's a it's it's it doesn't um convey the message like how affected are you by these things if you can create a song that is so detached listing race sex the government what that's not i mean that's how it feels to you if you're just watching it feeling kind of bad and continuing about your day yeah it does feel that way if you're of a particular identity but what it reminds me of that fucking lady gaga lyric what is it like you're something that you haven't sent your son on your orient. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh my God, I love this song because it's about everyone's different, but it's okay. It's, a, it's about how she wishes that she was a white, you know, gay male drag queen. That's what the song is. And also like, <laughs> it's about everyone being accepted, except I'm going to use the word orient because it sounds good in this line and get over it. Exactly, dude. Exactly. <laughs> that is the laziest white woman, white womaning shit. It's shit that I hated it. I, I care about it. your rights if it rhymes. If it doesn't rhyme, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also trying to uh, unpack the opening lines of the song. Um, she I says, I was, I was a mess in my open-eyed youth. I grew up thinking what's good for one oppresses the other. It's my turn, my life, my way, mind me. It's really fucked up because hey. basically it's making this dualistic sense of like, like say racism, for example. If you're someone who's against racism, somehow you're just the other side of the coin. It's like, yeah, racists are bad, but then like anti-racists are also mean. <laughs> right. It, uh, yeah, well. It's so loud. Right. And like, also like, yeah, what's good for you does oppress the other. Like that's actually like rudimentary, like white privilege 101. It's like reckoning with that and recognizing that like, whether you ask for it or not, like you inherit these privileges by being a white person in America and you, you benefit from white privilege. So those things are correct. Like the things she's saying, I grew up thinking these things. Well, that's true. Like, so your responsibility as a white woman is to do better, right? Is to like figure out ways to leverage your power and your position to try to like disrupt white supremacy. However you can not be like, oh, whatever. I I guess the song (laughs) also in this present time is just particularly like the apathy from Gen X in general, particularly white middle-class people is just kind of like disturbing. It's yes. not yeah. like revolutionary think, or it's, it's not counterculture. It's not brave to say you're just like, this is hard. Out from I what's happening. Like, yeah. yeah. But I think, uh, you know, not to be all has to print about this, but if you <laughs> place this in the context of 2003, um, she's at least doing a better job than like Madonna did with American Life. Or with, or than Hesta Prin. I feel you. Yeah, feel she you didn't say. Although this is kind of a don't blame me because I voted for Gore. Think <laughs> 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 about it. Um, oh I get what you guys God. are saying though. You're basically saying like this is a good place, a good starting place, but she doesn't say enough. Go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's it's actually that's like the big critique of all these other like th- these moments and these lyrics where she says. I'm alternative. I'm this, I'm that. It's the showing, not telling, right? Or the yeah. telling, not showing. It's yeah. There's no actual display of, of any reckoning with these issues. It's just you're listing them off. Yeah. 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 Fuck that. So, okay, let's move on to the next one. This is called, oh my God. And here we are, folks. Here we are. The big moment. We've been uh, referencing it the whole the whole episode. So here we go. This song is called HWC. And if you've been paying attention, you know what that stands for. 
claps on that. Give me your hot white cum. <laughs> clap, clap, clap. This is the same energy as like a white woman doing like a, an NWA acoustic guitar cover on YouTube. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's very good a comparison. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or a ukulele cover, actually. It's it's it's, it's gone. It's it's that far gone. This shit is terrible. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I mean, one of these days, without you, I'm just another Dorian Gray. It's the fountain of youth. It's the meaning of life so hot so sweet so wet my appetite i guess i guess her partner is eating a lot of pineapple or something <laughs> yeah right like also you know i just wonder whether i just want to know what the conversation was when she played this song for the label like what i would die to be in that room when like these execs and others are just listening to this like what <laughs> maybe this was the exact moment when they decided to bring in the matrix they were like yeah we need the big guns <laughs> <laughs> but then they gave it to her as like a pity track and threw it at the end of the album i mean it's so fucking jarring and so strange she and talks about using it as an exfoliant she does yeah well i i think also she's referring to like having good sex being good for your skin which i, I you know i think in general yeah that's true if you're having a lot of good sex you're yeah, I've heard that there are certain properties within semen that are good for you. I don't know about having, like, a, doing a little semen mask or anything like that, I which mean, is what she's implying. She's doing, like, the fucking, like... Um, a facial? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the term? <laughs> what was the fucking movie with Cameron Diaz in it with the fucking sperm? Something oh, about something Mary. about Mary. Yeah, she's right. Yes, it's that. It's It's very that. It's very versatile. Hair gel, exfoliant. I know there's a, a cum cookbook out there. Help me, Lord. Um, and you can get it for 50% off. As <laughs> <laughs> that say? You know, Bad music at checkout. It probably, like, if you cook it, it's probably, like, eggs, right? Just, help, help, just help. for specifically cum-related advertising opportunities to help our podcast grow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I actually looked it up, and she did, like, the record company did try to convince her to switch it to like hot white love. Oh, hot white love is well, then that just sounds racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had to specify that. So it was she calm. really wanted it on because she really, you know. So I will say she really felt like this song was like a fuck you to masculinity because that's what she was thinking. It's like these record execs won't let this on because it's like women aren't allowed to like, you know what I mean? Bring up this sexual act, even though other men kind of reference it in weird ways in rock music. Yeah, right, so, but she's kind of being cheeky about it. She's yeah, like, and she's being really explicit about it because it's like, what the hell? Like men in rock music have pretty much talked about coming all the time. I really, I do think, I will say this about hot white cum. Um, this <laughs> Wait, is it been... hot white cum or white hot cum? White hot cum, I'm sorry, excuse no, me. No, it's hot white cum. Hot white cum. Hot yes. white cum, okay. Yes, HWC. Hmm. Um, this should have been the closer. They should have just ended the album here. Yeah. Uh, the next three songs are all incredibly boring. Yep. Um, and like, I feel like the next three songs are like the strongest case for why they needed to bring the Matrix in. Yeah. Um, I think this song would have had more power to it uh, if it was like, this is like the cheeky like, or like closer. A, or a hidden track would have been funny, like really yeah. clever, like yeah. to have this be like, because that was like, again, when 
people were curating albums as we were talking about earlier mm. there was like intentionality around skits and and hidden tracks and i could imagine that happening in 2003 with this like oh surprise and that being like a really funny kind of addendum right but no she ruins all of that um and you're right about these next three songs they fucking all suck and they're all really boring should we just like bang them out all at once yeah bang them out yeah all right let's hot do it. white come them out <laughs> So we've got My Bionic Eyes, Friend of Mine, and Good Love Never Dies. If there's anybody out there, baby, I'm not gonna miss them. I've watched the years go by. These are the same old guys I never had any use for. Beyond the feeling of pleasure. I feel like those last lyrics are pretty telling on that song right there. The good love never dies, which those three songs, I don't have a lot of notes about them because as you mentioned, they're very fucking boring. Um, but with good love never dies, she just has these lyrics. Um, for the rest of my days, I want you by my side. Tell me what I, what can I say to keep you in my life? Cause I can never relax. I've got to keep it exciting, make it attractive, keep it alive, keep you coming back. I'm always so frightened you'll see through my act. So I, I was thinking about those lyrics and, and like the context of like navigating a divorce, right? And a relationship. And also with like her relationship with like the media and the public, you know? Um, and it's, it, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's telling. It's, it's an insight into her thought process of this anxiety of like trying to seem relevant and trying to, you know, be seen at all and be attractive and be interesting and and capture people's imaginations but she's still like she's performing and she knows that people are going to see through it and like that ah man it's it's tough because that shit if she wrote an album really from that perspective and made music from that perspective i guess that would be exile in guyville but it could have been exile you know in momville or whatever like she could have told stories uh, that were relevant to her experience um, in an authentic way that could also still be rock songs. But this, I mean, it's just, you've lost all, you know, goodwill at this point in the album because it's so fucking tepid and lukewarm and boring and flat and just. Yeah, it's weird how the album ugh, ends so it, tepidly. It just ends with like a sort of, right. like you're just so tired. Like it just feels like I'm tired. You're tired. We're all tired. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. no no passion it's just completely dispassionate right um bionic eyes i guess you get a little bit of that's true that she tries to add some zest 
there's a little zest and bionic eyes. The song has a little more pep to it, and the lyrics are pretty classic fare. Um, you know, I watched the years go by. These are the same old guys I never had any use for beyond the feeling of pleasure or the thrill of the fight. I scored again last night. I said, thanks for the drinks. Nice party. Then I turned out the light. Um, you know, it's yeah. just another song about how dudes are boring, but, you know, I'm still going to fuck them. Yeah, and I guess, <laughs> like, I mean, I try to think of, like, how many, like, male singer-songwriters kind of talk about the same things over and over again. So I try to be, like, okay. Like, a lot of singer-songwriters write about the same thing over and over again because as a person, you typically struggle with the same issues. Like, that's just, like, one of the hard things about life is you often will find yourself dealing with the same bullshit for years and years, right? But again, yeah. it just seems like, again, it's like, okay, oh, I'm having sex, but, like, I'm so bored, like, of this sex and of these men. And it's like, oh, okay, and I'm bored, cool. And I'm bored of myself having sex with these men. And yeah. that could have been an interesting point to kind of consider and start from, a way more vulnerable point to start from, yeah. you know, as opposed to just narrating it kind of dispassionately like you know as I got light as a feather they got stiff as a board I can't feel anymore but I can fake it forever that shit that's some like powerful shit in my bionic eyes yeah but again it's just it's listed off with no critique and no self-critique no analysis and no responsibility for any of those there's things. not a lot of scenes and no growth yeah there's no growth and the fact is is that that song could have been you know the at least lyrically could have been a song off of exile and guyville which you, you know, and you're right to, to like, think about this and, and be critical about like, you know, being harsher on, you know, female singer songwriters, but you do want to see some amount of growth in 10 years, yeah. right. From an artist yeah. that's known for their vulnerability and their rawness and this, you know, and their confessional style of, 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 uh, you know, songwriting. So it, it sucks, man. It sucks. Cause it has, it does have potential just like her, 26 year old baby you know boyfriend uh it has potential but you know it doesn't go anywhere yeah i feel like you see that potential seen all the way through in a uh, little digger yeah um and like nowhere else on the album everything else is either like just faceless pop by the matrix or faceless pop by the matrix where they tried to shoehorn in uh, her, uh, you know, previous raunchiness to like very poor effect or like songs where she's sort of like treading, like lightly treading over, you know, the, the type of stuff she feels comfortable writing. But that she like, already- Over just extremely boring composition. Yeah, the right. composition she... is boring. So that's really it. Like the lyrics maybe was better, you know, it's- but the problem is, is that even the lyrics are super watered down. They're watered down versions of what she already said, like way more incisively a decade ago. And, and yeah, that's why I brought up Little Digger because, like, that's a new topic, you right. know, of, of dealing with, you know, how do you how do you be out in the dating scene with a, a child, right? You know, who, uh, you know, just wants his dad back. But the Matrix I mean, isn't gonna go write those songs for you, so like. Yeah. No. But she wrote these last three songs herself and yeah. they're still bad. And they're still, they're just very boring. They're boring. Yeah. That's why it's like, they're not enough for me to like give a zero <laughs> out of 10. Um, well, actually that's, that brings us to it. We're at that point in the show that uh, we should rate the album on a scale of zero to negative five, because on the show we. Yes, uh, it's going back. Bad music. So it's, we're, yeah, we're zero to negative five of some quantifier and VQ, you're an old 
Cal on the show. You've been around the block yes. with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to choose the the quantifier that we're measuring uh, her badness Ooh. by. So, and if you want to, you get to go first. I'm just trying to think of what the quantifier is. There's been so many mm-hmm. good ones. Um, I'm trying, <laughs> I don't want to say this. Uh, cum shots. <laughs> Zero to negative five cum shots. Yes, a negative five, <laughs> and think shots. about that, like negative five cum shots. <laughs> I don't even know. Negative five, the cum getting sucked back into Yes, that's dick. what I'm thinking. Thank you. <laughs> it sounds painful. It does sound painful. So really think about it. <laughs> or I was almost thinking of it, this is like super gross, but I was also thinking of it as like, if you're taking actual cum shots, if it's negative five, it's that you're rejecting them. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Negative five are coming out of you. Shots. The runny egg white. Like. Yes. Really think about this. Yeah. What do you want to start rating it as? I'm going to give it first? a negative two. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Why negative two? I feel like I don't want to listen to it ever again. Um, I don't want to listen to these songs. But at the same time, if it was on, I would not be so offended for the most part. Like, I think this could be on in the background and I'd be like, this is pleasant. I wouldn't be like upset or angry or like, why is this happening to me? But I still, I was going to do negative one, but then I felt like negative one is more like if I could think of like one or two songs I would listen to again and again, but there's no song on here that I actually would repeatedly listen to. So that's why I got negative two. Yeah, I think you are very kind. I think you're providing more white excuses for this white or white excuses for this white woman than she did for herself. Well, that's because I, I come, uh, you know me. I have like a psych <laughs> developmental background, so like I'm I'm very <laughs> forgiving. <laughs> I want to give people enough room to challenge, but you know, but I want them to feel they can grow. Well, I'm a fucking asshole. I think this shit sucks, and I don't think she grew at all. I think she shrank. You go. Unfortunately. You go. I'm going to give her a negative 3.5 cum shots on this album because I think you're right. Like what it actually, what did I give Ashley Simpson? Mike Dunn, you're, you're good at remembering these things. Uh, I don't, um, I'm on Liv's computer, so I don't have access to my file of all the scores and stuff. It's, 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 I want to I want to rate it worse than Ashley Simpson to be honest because I think you I think you gave Ashley Simpson a more I think you gave her like a negative three or negative two and a half. Okay, so I'm giving I'm giving Liz Fair a negative three and a half because I think that she uh, because it is an Ashley Simpson album written by somebody who uh, was a uh, early feminist rock goddess, uh, you know, badass who uh, is capable and is talented and has a capacity to put out uh, really insightful, poignant, vulnerable, uh, interesting uh, feminist rock music that um, that is that was groundbreaking for its time, um, but instead uh, took the everything that made uh, her interesting and cool uh, to begin with and turned it into an embarrassing facsimile of itself. Yeah. And to a point where she literally looks and feels like she's performing a cover of you know a cover act of um of herself but at 36 uh as a recently divorced mom and it's just a really sad unfortunately desperate um sheen that that the the film that kind of coats all of this and and leaves a bad taste in my mouth 
honestly just like cum. <laughs> you just swallow it and get it over with. And I don't think I'm going to be going back to this album ever again. So um, there you go. Yeah, it's just so, it's just a failure on so many levels, this album. Like, you know, she went into the studio um, with uh, Pete, not whatever, with Michael. Whoever. Whatever the fuck. She went into the, the studio with the guy who did all those John Bryan collaboration soundtracks for fucking Paul Thomas Anderson movies. And she was like trying to make a Liz Fair album. And it was so bad and dispassionate and boring and lifeless that the, you know, the label was like, we literally cannot sell this. We need to give you help. They brought in help. And then the, the help, you know, the, the song doctors just wrote, just shoehorned her into a fucking Ashley Simpson framework. Uh, which she failed to deliver on. It's not her lane. It's not her style. It didn't work at all. Her own songs didn't work at all. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand, like, the only reason I'm hesitating to give this, like, a really bad score is because, like, I don't want to be grouped in with all the, like, angry fucking indie dude reviewers yeah. from the early that, 2000s. That is good. Um, who were just like this album for the wrong reasons. But I think if you really like just analyze it, like what else can you do? This is a terrible album. It's, it fails in every way. There's, I'd rather, I honestly, I'm sorry to say this, you know, I'm thinking back on the previous albums we've listened to and the scores I gave them and I'd rather listen to Trapped. And I gave that a negative 3.7. We were too nice to Trapped. I want to issue a retraption because I feel like on that episode, I was not mean enough to Trapped and I hate Trapped and I want everyone to know that Headstrong is a terrible song, but also they kind of sound like Thrice and Thursday and it's really fucking weird and kind of the Mars Volta sometimes. And we don't know how to explain it. And I'm sorry, I didn't make the rules, but- We're also also in COVID, COVID effects. It, it, we're all fucked up, right? Yeah. We're all fucked up. But what do you? Get- I think you were pretty mean to trap. Okay, I mean, good. I listened to it. You get you were pretty mean to trap. <laughs> I, maybe I was too nice to trap, okay. but I'd still rather listen to Trapped than this Liz Fair album. Uh, so I'm gonna give it a negative four. Ooh, okay. wow. Come shots. Come sucks. <laughs> Come tractions. <laughs> well, everybody, that's something that you can now think about and. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank our unbelievably incredible, amazing guest, VQ, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This My little diggers. (laughs) (laughs) VQ, um, why don't you promote anything we got going on? You can promote Blow. We can promote, you know, tell everybody about Shitty Wizard, anything else we should know. Oh, yeah. So I guess... um, Blow is going to be coming out Boston League of Wicked Wrestlers. Pretty easy to find, particularly if you're following Make It Stop and following Heather in any capacity. But Boston League of Wicked Wrestlers is going to be coming up with a lot of internet content since <laughs> seems like there's not going to be any live performances for the rest of 2020. So please look out for really fun, queer, feminist wrestling performances done in very creative ways um, because of COVID, looking out for more comics and bits and songs and all sorts of stuff that's going to come out so look for that and then feel free if you go on Facebook to look up Shitty Wizard um there's other Shitty Wizards on Facebook but I'm the Shitty Wizard in a leotard um (laughs) so that's really my distinguishing factor if you'd like to follow me 
Definitely follow Shitty Wizard. Definitely support Blow, uh, B-L-O-W-W.org. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Blow Boston, B-L-O-W-W. We really need money. Uh, We need support. We were planning, you know, at least three more big shows this year. Uh, We're an independent queer feminist wrestling league, as BQ said, and we need to survive. Uh, this nightmare and uh, you guys want to see that when we're back able to finally gather in groups again right I mean come on um, and you can find Make It Stop at www.makeitstoppodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Make It Stopcast. Uh, you can send us an email, makeitstoppodcast at gmail.com. Uh, what should we have people send us for this episode? Uh, just send a, a naked picture of yourself with some instrument like covering up all of your naughty bits that's what i want i don't know yeah. why i solicited that but i did it and now i want it stoppies and uh stay tuned stoppies for uh announcements about our season finale coming up very soon we're gonna be getting some uh some audience interaction, some audience uh, feedback on this one. You guys, we're getting back to our roots where we used to let you guys have way too much power. And uh, (laughs) once again, we're going to do that for some reason. Um, But uh, we're going to make sure that the sense of control in uh, uncontrollable times. It's true. It's true. Whose kitty is that right now? That's my cat screaming. I'm sorry. It's very cute. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, So we'll see you next time, Stoffies. Bye. Bye. The Make It Stop podcast is recorded at the Boston Free Radio podcast studio located at Somerville Media Center in Union Square in Somerville. It is produced and edited by Heather McCormick, and the music that we use for our show has been produced by Patrick Ahern. Thanks for listening.